Hello, podcasters. Today we're going to be talking about the 1988 action film Die Hard, John McTiernan's most famous film. It stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia, and Reginald Bell Johnson. Um, last week I was unable to perform in the in the Cousins on Cinema that John hosted for the film To Kill a Mockingbird because I had a, a pretty bad mishap with my computer. I actually came back from spring break and at the airport left my computer in the parking garage where it then went on to get run over by a car. I, I found this out because I went to the airport the next day to retrieve it. And when I came home, it was completely destroyed. The computer, the charger, and everything else inside. So I apologize for not being able to show up to Last Cousins on Cinema episode, Last Cousins on Cinema episode. But uh, I, I really didn't have an option at, at that point. Yeah, um, I know. I, I got I got that text from you that you uh, we we had to kind of postpone this episode a week because um, your laptop got ran over. I know. I wanted to know the story behind that. I'm sure our <laughs> listeners would as well. But um, yeah, getting right into it. Um, yeah, Die Hard. I mean, it's a classic movie. Um, certainly Bruce Willis's kind of coming out party in Hollywood. Um, perhaps that's not fair to say. He was already somewhat uh, acclaimed at the time. But um, I think an interesting point to jump off in this is uh, I, I enjoyed in the opening of the movie, um, and this this is certainly a motif of the movie, kind of Bruce Willis's relationship with like other women. And like, I've never personally perceived Bruce Willis as like a sex icon. I don't know if that was like the idea. I mean, he's certainly always been a, a, a fellow in very good shape. It's just, I don't know. I just know him as, I guess, I it, he's there with like Mark Wahlberg for me, where like I can see why he would be like in a sexual icon role. But at the same time, I've just never really <laughs> agreed with that kind of designation. Um, <laughs> but certainly like, I mean, they have like girls looking at him as he walks around. I mean, the entire movie, his biceps are out and he's, you know, he's changing in the bathroom. It's like, it's certainly... It's not like, it's almost, I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting how it's a little thing in the movie and it's certainly not like distracting or anything, but it is something I certainly noticed when I rewatched the movie. Yeah, definitely. I never really thought of him as, um, as, a, as, a, as a sex symbol either. Um, I guess I, I'm more used to movies like Pulp Fiction that he was in or... What's that one that he was in? Sixth Sense. Yeah, Sixth Sense for sure. But there was another that he was in, Unbreakable, in in 2000. But this Die Hard movie, like you said, he was he was featured in a tank top the entire time. Um, you know, obviously arms out and all, and eventually the shirt would get ripped off at some point or another. But I thought, but. He, he didn't really stand out as just a sex symbol to me. He, he did do pretty, pretty well as an actor in this film. I feel like this, this role was definitely written just for him. He had a lot of, a lot of one-liners, you know, there was, gosh, I mean, we get a lot of our most famous lines of cinema history just from this film. I won't name the ones that there are, there, there are, 
right now because I'm sure we'll get into it later. But good God, there there are quite a few, and I think I, I don't know if I can really imagine anybody else besides Bruce Willis in this role because of that. Oh, absolutely not. And I think you mentioned. I mean, yeah, I obviously agree. He's certainly he's an interesting character. I think because he's he certainly is a badass, and that's certainly. I mean, he's one of film history's you know most famous you know kind of i don't know i don't have a better phrase than badass to describe it just like you know he's not a james bond kind of badass certainly he's not he's not always in control he's just he's like he's a more may perhaps not realistic but human like because what i love about his character is that he's very very human like i love how they have him get his feet cut up and he's like crawling on the floor and bleeding all over the place. And it's like, Oh, you really feel like, like he can be killed certainly. And it's like, you never feel like he's just like this unbeatable, unkillable guy. He's like, I mean, he's, he's on his heels in a lot of the fights. Um, but it's just like all these little things. I mean, he's introduced with a gigantic stuffed bear on his lap. It's, it's a really, it's, I love that opening scene. It's like, he has the bear on his lap. He has the gun in the holster. It's like he's both like kind of disarming to a degree, but at the same time, he's very much like you. You could tell he's used to violence. He's I mean, he's a he's a gritty New York cop. He's like he's exactly what you would expect of a New York cop. It's like, you know, gritty doesn't take nothing from nobody. And especially like (laughs) L.A., like he's so confused as to what's going on with LA. I think somebody like kisses him at the party and he's just like Los Angeles. And it's like this very, this fish out of water element that kind of permeates throughout the entire movie. But yeah, I just, those, those aspects of his character that make him that much more human, I think are very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I feel that he wasn't, he wasn't obviously the smartest character in the film, but somehow his character always seemed to outsmart everybody around him just because of, like you mentioned, his New York, his New York cop wit that he has, just his ability to break down situations on the fly under pressure. Um, you know, I, I took down this note, Alan Rickman's character, Hans Gruber, he, he's, he's portrayed as more of an intellectual. I think you'd probably agree. He uses more sophisticated diction. No, he he just he he just seems like he's higher up on the education scale than Willis's character. Um, but somehow Willis's character always seems to outsmart Rickman's, just because of his pure wit. Honestly, a lot of it is due to luck. I want to say. I mean, there. Yeah. There is a good amount of luck. Like he got, he got very lucky that the Russians, you know, who are the the opponents in the film, that the Russians make mistakes, that they aren't the sharpest tools in the shed. A lot of the time, to be quite honest, there are a lot of mistakes that they make. They just send up random guys to go at him. Honestly, one by one, he practically takes out their whole team, but. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter that Gruber is so much higher as an intellectual because it seems that Willis's character outsmarts them all. Yeah, no, I, I love because it is very I what, probably the movie that almost elevates this movie for me are the the genius use. I love how they use the radio in this movie. It's so so smart. 
It's 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 Bruce's. It's it's McLean's contact with Gruber. It's McLean's contact with the outside. And oh my god, his conversations with Gruber are just so good. It's like even though um, Hans has this intellectual edge on him, it's like it's like all of that wit is like worth nothing in the eyes of like the New York cop. He's very quick on his feet. He's a pretty, I, I would dare say, morbidly funny guy. I mean, he draws on a dead man. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. And he <laughs> sends it down. I mean, that's like, that's a pretty brutal thing to do to a man you just strangled to death. And I mean, right. it's just like how kind of intellectual, cal- like the pure definition of like calculation, like Hans Gruber is met with this exact opposite force of, I mean, he doesn't really plan very much. He just does whatever. I think the biggest example of him not planning very far in advance is when he uses that machine gun to like lower himself down the elevator shaft. And like, I don't know, like he clearly did not put a lot of forethought into that. He just like, Bruce Willis's character just sees and does the entire movie. It's just John McClane. It's like a, a driven arrow. And I love, it's like, this contrast between him and Gruber, like Gruber being, he calculated this forever. Like I already said, I, I just like this contrast a lot is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. Um, we might as well, since we're, since we're talking about it so much, we might as well get right into it. The performances from Rickman and Willis were to me, at least the most outstanding in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally favor Rick because he had to severely change his accent you know this guy this guy is is no russian you know he's he's an english actor many people know him as severus snape from the harry potter film series um i mean he just he makes you hate him and i love those kinds of roles where where the where the actor or actress can make you honestly hate the character because that's how you really know that it's it's good acting, it's solid acting, and I think Rickman did a really good job with this. Yeah, absolutely, and it's 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 really it's a testament to Alan Rickman as an actor that he can put on a performance this well and still probably isn't even his most iconic performance of all time. That would be, except for a Snape, Snape, and oh my God, it, it, he's so fantastic. And like you said, I mean, he changes to the German accent, and he's. He owns every scene he's in. Like from the moment he steps out of that elevator, he owns every scene. That that first scene is so good. He has so many terrific quotes. Um, Mr. What is it? Mr. Who's the Japanese guy? Mr. Mr. Yoshino. Mr. Takagi. Mr. Takagi will not be joining us anymore for the rest of his life. And then everyone like gasps. And it's like, it's like, I don't know. He's like, he has this callousness to him. Like he'll kill anybody who's in his way but also this charm, like he's absolutely charming in this movie. Like he's very much, it, it's hard to put to words cause he's a cold blooded murderer. But at the same time, it's like, you can't help but to a degree root for him. And that's, that kind of gets me into like, this is one of the few movies, certain a few action movies where you can legitimately root for both sides. Like you like Bruce Willis, but you also like this kind of gangly group of uh, um, just, you know, Ter- well, not terrorists, fake terrorists, that the bank robbers. And it's like, they all have so much personality. Like Theo, the hacker, he has so much personality. Obviously Hans, Carl has so much personality. Like just the other, even the random German henchmen, like, you know, the guy who corners Bruce under the table, 
And it's like the amount they spent prepping for this, like you almost feel like they deserve to get away with this money, like to a certain degree. I know that sounds bad, but like, it's like, it's so believable and it's so thorough. And Hans is plan. Hans's plan is so, so smart. It, it just, it really does kind of make you split on who you want to end up winning Hans Gruber or John McClain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely felt that way just because of Rickman's portrayal of Gruber. And I think I said Russian earlier. He definitely is German. But if if I'm not wrong, I feel that there were a few Russians at least that were on his team. I think you're right because they definitely are a hodgepodge. Yeah, for sure. I think there were there were definitely a few Americans. There was there was the hacker that took care of all the security that was an American. I believe the two brothers where Willis's character, John McLean, murdered one of them. I, I believe it was Carl's brother. I don't know if we ever heard the name of his brother. I, I don't really remember, but you mentioned that he, he drew on his, on his shirt. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Mor- morbidly, really. Yeah. Um, but those guys, I believe, are Russians. But like you said, it's definitely a hodgepodge, but it, it seems relatively well thought out by Gruber. He's definitely, according, according to the movie and a, a, news, a newsreel that, that goes by during the movie, he seems to be a well-known terrorist. So I don't, I don't really know why he would think that he could really hide or get away with this easy. I don't know that he did. It seemed like he was prepared for the police to come and the FBI to show up or whatever. He, he seemed pretty prepared, but obviously in the end, we see that he meets his ultimate demise. But I feel like that just goes back to the fact that somehow this New York cop is able to outsmart this criminal mastermind who's been recognized thoroughly for his ability to murder and steal with impunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to recognize how this kind of ties into one of the, maybe perhaps a bit far to say this is a theme, but certainly conceits of the movie, which is kind of America as the underdog. This is kind of like a popular thing in the eighties. You know, everybody, you know, in, in David V. Goliath, everyone wants to, everyone wants to root for David even if you really are Goliath. I mean, obviously, America in the 80s was, and it was one of the most powerful countries of all time. And like this kind of underdog thing, which, you know, it's the American, it, it's like the definition of like a pure American, like American cop against impossible odds. You know, it's him versus like basically a small army. I mean, they have advanced military hardware. They have, oh God, it's so... It's so impressive. And it's like, just the difference, like uh, Bruce Willis is a very emotional guy that the movie, one of the, one of my favorite things I love when he's alone and before, before he gets Al on the line, he's like insulting himself. I love after he, um, like he, it's like it, after he, um, he kind of flames his wife for changing her last name afterwards. It's like, he, he's dogging himself. It's like, Oh, that's a, that's a really smart move, John. You really, and he's like smacking himself in my head. And then later it's like, uh, he, he, he like calls himself an asshole. He's like, he's like insulting himself. And I just, I love this. It's like, what are you going to do? You stupid asshole. And it's like, 
talking to himself. It's just like, it's so different from Hans and like Hans is even when Hans is like in trouble, he's still incredibly calm. And you see this in that scene where he's confronted with John, he's confronted with his flying the ointment and he immediately dulls down to this, like, you know, preconceived, you know, he planned for this, he planned for everything, everything, but this kind of representation of America, I guess. That is a really good insight. Just, just thinking of that scene, particularly when he does come face to face with John McClane, our protagonist, I feel that, geez, I mean, the first time I watched this, I thought, wow, gosh, our protagonist is really an idiot. Like he, this, <laughs> this guy is clearly, this guy is clearly not trustworthy, but it seemed, it seemed to me that all of a sudden Bruce Willis was essentially letting this guy have a gun, you know, basically do what he wanted. And I was thinking, good God, what, where did all this intelligence go? Where did all the smarts go? Like that were there two minutes ago when, when he was taking out all these guys. But obviously we, as we know, of course, McLean had a backup plan as usual. Somehow he, he managed to have a backup plan, keep, keep Gruber from actually having a, a loaded gun that he could direct his way. Cause he did, he, he did plan for that. Like you said, he did a lot of things on the fly and he did it successfully. Like the New York cop that we would know the, the classic American protagonist, perhaps your Hemingway hero of sorts. Um, however, I just, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, think of that as too much of a surprise i guess it might just be because i've already seen the film so i might be a little biased in saying so but it's it's hard for me to say that i'm surprised that that um the new york cop would not trust some random person he met that already seemed relatively shady by the way he was speaking and the the forced american accent that he clear clearly was doing which i i felt Rickman, by the way, did really, really well with because we all was, know yeah, he can I change. Agree 100%. Yeah, we all know that he can change his accent. You know, he changed to this German accent and die hard. But the way that he he did that that American that fake American accent was fantastic because you could tell he was still doing his German accent behind it. He was doing this little German accent, but at the same time, you know, portraying this scared american but i i felt like that was that was a classic of this movie it's pretty much a staple um i'm glad you brought that up yeah absolutely I, that, that is a great scene and even if even though bruce does get the drop on uh hans it is hans ends up getting the last laugh in that little encounter because she says because because hans bruce didn't know is that hans was calling people down in german and then they, they go down there and they start shooting at bruce and obviously bruce has to go through the and then it's that famous shoot the glass scene and they you know he has to <laughs> he gets his feet all cut up um just a little fun fact about that um one of the reasons why uh the german or carl whoever it was I don't, it might not have been carlos one of the germans didn't understand him when he said it in german is because he used the words windows instead of glass because there wasn't a word to describe the glass around and so that's why he had to repeat oh. it in English. So that's, so that's a nice little, I, that's a nice little Easter egg I learned while kind of doing a little bit of research. So that's interesting. Um, 
no, I, I love that scene. I love, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I mean, Hans Gruber is great. We can talk about him all day. Um, I think another character we should certainly touch on is the character of Al, the other one of Bruce's um, talking mates on the radio. It's just like this guy who you get the sense, like he's, he's, he's kind of, I mean, you know, they call each other partner and it's just very, it's just this, this amazing bond that kind of happens between these two men. It never seems forced. It's very much like, I mean, Bruce drags him into this kicking and screaming. Bruce drags him into this by whipping a dead body onto the top of his car and unknowingly, hopefully putting him in grave danger and having his car shot at him by LMGs. And I mean, you know, Bruce had to do what Bruce had to do, but yeah, it's just, and I think the police in general in this movie are so inept, certainly that the the deputy police chief is probably everybody's least favorite character. He's just so, so, so annoying. And it's like, he does exactly what Bruce knows he shouldn't do. And it's, it's like, it's interesting because even though, yeah, like you said, Bruce, I mean, John McClane isn't the smartest character. It is interesting that he knows he's like, you're doing the wrong thing here. Like you're going to endanger all these hostages. And the FBI guys even say later, it's like, we'll lose 30, 40% of the hostages to get out of there. And it's like, they're just fine with that. And it's just very much, um, it's interesting because it's certainly a pro America movie, but it portrays people in like American positions of power as being very inept. I've always found that to be kind of in a way where the movies, I think, is a step above some of the other movies that just like are very like America, like Independence Day. I love the movie, but it's just like America's the best. Let's go America. I think this movie is a little bit deep, not much deeper, but it's a little bit deeper than that. And I think the policeman's ineptness reflects that. You know, I totally agree. I actually took down a note that simply said stupidity of police force. Yeah. Because throughout the whole film, they just seem like a bunch of blubbering idiots, to be quite honest. They ignored John's call, which was a call. He cried out to them, telling them that there's a bunch of terrorists attacking this building. And the woman's like, okay, calm down, sir. This is, this is a line for emergencies only. And he's, I don't know exactly what he says, but he says some super witty, hilarious line that says... Do it. Does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza? Right, right. That's exactly what it is. It sounds like I'm ordering a fucking pizza. Um, but that's that. just a little side note, another great one-liner from him. Absolutely. But... But yeah, the the whole police force is portrayed as a bunch of blubbering idiots in L.A. throughout the entirety of the film, quite honestly, besides his, his good old friend Al. But like you said, particularly the deputy police chief, who is played by the great Paul Gleason, who we could also find in The Breakfast Club as the mm-hmm. annoying principal. So like like I mentioned earlier, I do love those actors that can make us really hate them. You know, I, I feel like we... We hate Paul Gleason's uh, character, deputy police chief, because he's just he's just completely ignorant. He's like you said, he's inept, but he's completely ignorant to the fact that Al found someone on the inside that actually knows what he's doing. And that's not a terrorist, of course, as Gleason's character thought that he could definitely be. But gosh, they also throughout the film portray the FBI as a bunch of idiots to be quite honest or not as much not as much as idiots but just more of jerks i guess you might say 
So, like you said, the the FBI says one of one of the two FBI agents that we actually meet in the film says, uh, you know, we'll probably lose twenty to twenty five percent of the hostages, and the other one just says, I can live with that, and that just. God, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I, I just can't, I can't see the FBI really, really going that route saying, oh, you know, lose 20, 25% of the hostages, you know, whatever. And the other one going, oh, you know, I could live with that. 20, 25% of people's lives are gone. It's just, that kind of baffled me. I never really even thought about that. I guess he, McTiernan and the, um, oh, geez, this, the screenwriters, uh, Stephen E. De Sousa and Jeb Stewart made multiple antagonists in this film. The really, the, the only real protagonist is Willis's character McLean, because we even got guys on the inside of the office. You know, the one guy I can't particularly uh, remember his name um, off the top of my head. Ellis. Ellis. Uh, Ellis, exactly. Who you're also born to hate harry ellis because he's hitting on john's wife and then he gives john up to the terrorists like an idiot because he's all high on cocaine and stupid as hell to be quite honest and so they made multiple multiple antagonists throughout this film the fbi the police force the terrorists and even someone on the inside someone that was supposed to be a friend yeah i I think you, you you hit on all of them i think you missed you only missed one other antagonist. The news, the media, the media guys are who actually ended up really screwing John and putting his wife at risk. And he got his comeuppance. He got a punch right in the face. And certainly that's a comment on news media and how they'll do anything to get a story. And yeah, it, but oh my God, it is so good. And it's amazing. Even these awful characters, each, each one has a pretty damn good line or two like the incompetent um police uh, deputy chief as one of the best quotes in the movies after the fbi guys like idiots fly in there with helicopters even after seeing them using rockets already on the cars which i don't know why you would do that they fly in there with helicopters get shot down they all die and then the deputy chief says we're gonna need some more fbi guys i guess and it's like in that moment it's like in comparison to the FBI guys, you even start to like him a little bit to a degree. But yeah, it's, those F guys, and, uh, oh my God, the old FBI guy, wasn't it like Johnson and Johnson, no relation or something like that? <laughs> and they're, they're a black guy and a white <laughs> one, guy. One was like, one was like Johnson and Johnson, no relation. One was like a special agent, one wasn't. It was like all this goofy stuff that no one cared about. But yeah, the older one was flying in. He said, woo, it's just like Saigon, which was... In, Vietnam and the younger one said I was in junior high asshole and it's like even these hateable characters and even the news guy after he gets punched in the face did you get that like even like they all have these they have these pretty damn memorable lines it's like they did not like take their foot off the gas for writing good lines for all of these people at all which I do think is really impressive and it's I mean it makes the movie you know an action movie where people are getting killed a very I mean, it's a funny movie. A, there are a lot of moments of levity in it, for sure. It's, I don't know, it just, it enhances the movies without a doubt. And um, yeah, just like, like I love how you touched on there being so many antagonists 
in the police. I love one of the moments I think is very indicative. Um, when the SWAT guys are pushing the building, one of them like runs into like a bunch of flowers and he like, he flinches and like, he like gets really scared for a second and they keep moving forward. And I think it's really, it's sort of trying to show like how wimpy these guys are like compared to John, who's like been walking through literal, who's been, he's literally been walking over broken glass and getting shot and like, you know, he's all burnt up and like these guys are like are fully armored and they're like flinching at flowers and like, they just get absolutely destroyed and like the tank itself it's only through john's um kind of defense and like blowing up half the building with c4 that all those men in that tank don't die and even then it's still lost in the deputy chief that john's their man and that the the only way that they can really like figure this out it's amazing that it's only al who's able to figure out that john's the one that they should be rooting for though he does say other people are rooting for him yeah for sure um, I just want to go over a couple notes that that I took down while watching this. I mean, God, our families together watched this on Christmas Eve one yeah. night for, for our Christmas. Yeah, uh, on the past, all, all the boys were like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> all the guys. <laughs> right. And all, all the women in this family were... Looking to watch, looking to watch something like "It's a Wonderful Life" or a Christmas Story. <laughs> um, but what what I had to say was, you know, I mentioned this earlier how Willis has plenty of one-liners that have gone down in history as some of the most famous of any action film ever. But aside from his and Groomer's one-liners, I didn't really feel like a lot of the screenplay was that complex or even as entertaining, to be quite honest. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I just felt that it was, a, a lot of it was pretty predictable. Like I never really, the, the only part when I was first watching this film where I didn't really know what was going to happen was when when Gruber comes face to face with John McClane. That was the only part where I really felt like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. My, I feel like our protagonist is now, now gone stupid or something i don't know what's going on but i felt like a lot of it was rather predictable but i mean that's that is a staple of mainstream action films yeah absolutely i I would agree with you i mean to a degree i'll let you finish what you're saying but to a degree i would argue that there are really only two characters in this movie john and hans and the rest are just kind of like just kind of i wouldn't i wouldn't go as far to say cliches but certainly cliched characters i think that's a fair assessment i totally agree um i said that willis was i I mentioned this before he was born for this role there's nobody else i can imagine playing this role not because his acting was particularly fantastic or crazy good or something or because he made us uh i don't know he made us in awe of his acting ability or something with this film i think films like pulp fiction would maybe be a little, a little better in that respect, telling, giving us an idea of how he is uh, as an actor. Absolutely. But mainly, yeah, mainly I'd say that he was so good was because of his natural bravado. You know, like you said earlier, he, he is kind of portrayed as a sex symbol from the beginning of the film. You know, he's getting off the plane and the stewardess gives him a second look and 
he enters the the party and you can tell women are you know their eyes are going in his general direction you know i can't imagine that life as bruce willis would be too different <laughs> naturally even if he even if he wasn't an actor but i feel like that that does serve a purpose it does give us an idea of perhaps why why his wife was looking to eagerly take this job in LA it didn't really seem like she had an afterthought at all to take the kids and essentially run go to go to LA you know do do what she wanted to do but i do feel like gruber's character was perhaps the best because he just i feel like he has probably the best lines besides these one liners from from McLean, you know, we have Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. Um, God, what else? We 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 have quite. A, oh, welcome to the party, pal. That's another. That's another fan favorite for sure. I'm sure you, you probably have a couple more from Wilson's character that you could probably put forth. But I, I just felt like I liked his character the most on this watch. I not obviously because I feel that I identify with his character at all or something. But just because I felt like he was he was the most interesting. He just he he like like um, like McLean. He wasn't perfect. You know, he, he didn't always make the right decision. He kind of screwed up uh, quite a few times. Like he wasn't supposed to come face to face with McLean, but it was by pure accident that he did. So I don't really feel like anybody showed real character development in the film, which isn't really something that I have a problem with considering it's more of a mainstream action mainstream action film anyway but i just feel like gruber's character was probably the most entertaining perhaps because we we're looking for him to lose yeah i mean yeah gruber's i mean he has so many great quotes um i mean there are some good lines i i mean perhaps it's just because the performances i think the performance gap between Rickman and Willis and everybody else is there, certainly. They just didn't put a lot of thought into any other characters besides those two. Um, I mean, his wife has only John can drive somebody that crazy. Um, Ellis oh, has yeah. a couple of quotes that you just want to hate him. I'm like, they do a pretty damn good job of that because he's so goddamn annoying. Um, but no, yeah. Um, I mean, Gruber has, and Gruber's like, it's like, even like, one of his quotes, which isn't his, obviously, but I mean, and he said, um, when Alexander gazed across his his kingdom, he wept for there is no more lands to, co- to conquer. I feel like that's not it. For there were no more worlds to conquer. I mean, that's unattributed. Nobody knows who actually said that, but um, it is interesting. I mean, he characterizes him as certainly a very cerebral guy, but it's just interesting that like he can use those words to like bend it to like, he perceives him, Gruber perceives himself as like, he's a pretty, he's a pretty, co- maybe not cocky, but he's certainly not a humble guy. He knows how smart he is and he knows, he feels like he deserves this money. Like he says himself, I'm not a simple thief, Mrs. McLean. I'm an exceptional one. Um, it's just, I don't know. He just, and I feel like, I mean, watching the movie, I can't say his, I mean, his cockiness isn't well earned. I mean, Aside from some questionable decisions on how to allocate his men, um, which certainly aren't there, and would have to be there or else this movie would be very short. Um, 
he's he's got this set up to a to a T. I mean, he knows exactly what everybody's job is. He has he's got everything. I mean, he's got he's got everybody doing exactly what they have to be doing at the exact right time. He somehow predicts that the FBI will cut the power in response to a terrorist threat, and it's just very. I mean, it's genius. He's a genius for sure. And it's like, it's, you know, which, which wins brains V brawn. In this case, it's brawn by a landslide. I mean, he just, it's, I, we keep on repeating this to a degree, but it really is. It's just, he's such a good character and they put in a lot of effort to make him that way. And it's certainly reflected through the screenplay, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like that's that's definitely why I feel that Gruber is probably my favorite character. Obviously, like I said, not because he shows some sort of character development, but perhaps because he really is the smartest man in the film. There's not really there's not really a question. He feels I, I almost would say that he is rather cocky in in his ability to just take this money and get out of there. Cocky probably to his demise in the end, honestly. Um, I, I can't really say much for, for the character of Mrs. McLean just because she didn't really have that many lines. She didn't my, really my have least favorite that character much. in the movie, personally. Yeah, she didn't really have that much to put forth. Um, and probably for... Probably for a good reason. Not that the acting was poor from from her, from Bonnie Bedelia, but just because I she just didn't really seem like she had much of a head on her shoulders, except there was the one line where she says, unless you like it messy, you should probably start taking people to the bathroom, groups of people to the bathroom, something like that. That's really the only line where I thought, oh, okay, well, she's not completely stupid and pointless to the to the to the plot i guess but for the most part i really did not feel like she she gave much to to the story at all i feel like she was kind of just a placeholder she was she was only there because they needed a reason to bring john mclean there and then eventually they thought of oh let's have john and her kids go on tv and say oh we miss you guys please come home you know and then hans gruber somehow figures out that that's who is mclean's wife you know he 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 sees mclean and all of a sudden he's like wait a second that's that's her so i don't really think that she had much of a strong character i don't really feel like she was much of an important character I feel like she was just more of a placeholder, just kind of there because that's what the plot called for. Yeah, that's a good description of her. I mean, I would never say it had anything to do with the acting because the acting was fine for the five or six lines she had. I just think it was a bit ridiculous. I mean, like, she just gets back together with John in the end for, like, whatever reason. It's, I would say this movie really falls off near the very end. It gets kind of corny, and it's like some of the common criticisms of this movie is that it's cliched. And in general, my response to that would be, well, it made most action movies cliches. So I don't know, like a lot of like the whole building, like the idea of like fighting on the top of a building wasn't really, I mean, 
I'm sure there were some movies, but it certainly wasn't a major thing for this movie and like helicopters and explosions. And like, I mean, Die Hard was certainly the ushering in of many of these cliches. Many Die Hard movies and many other movies have tried to copy Die Hard to varying degrees of efficiency, but that's another topic for another day. But yeah, I mean, she's just like, she's just like a woman that the, the man character should get at the, just gets at the end of the movie. And it's not like, I don't know. She's never, I would never consider her to be like, I mean, they give her some like strong characteristics. Like she's not stupid, but she's not, no, not like, not completely. No, she's not like, and, and another thing that I think was a bit cheesy at the end of the movie, when, when Carl is somehow still alive, even after being hung by the neck for like several minutes, um, he pulls out his gun and points at it, and then Al draws his gun and shoots him. I guess it gives, honestly, to a degree, Al has the only real character arc, although I would honestly call it a character angle in this movie because it just goes up and down. It just goes, he doesn't want to shoot his gun, To He does want to shoot his gun, and that's the end of the movie. And, I mean, it's not. It's just a bit cheesy, and it's like it zooms in on him, and the guy just falls down dead it's i don't know i mean it's it's fun but i like that was one of the moments i kind of rolled my eyes and i was like okay like let, let, let's kind of let's get to the end of this thing already like it's just it's it was a bit ridiculous uh i agree this this was really the, the action film um prior to this we had we had films like you know the terminator which mm-hmm. came out four years prior where we did see a whole different kind of action film from, from James Cameron, who's obviously made a name for himself from this and from many after, including Titanic. But this really was one of the first ones where you follow the, the protagonist every step of the way. And then you see the antagonist and the antagonist actually has a personality and you actually don't completely hate the antagonist because they have this personality. So from that aspect, yes, it's definitely original, but I guess, again, maybe I'm biased because I've seen the film a number of times, but I I just feel like now, I guess I would think of it as a rather predictable film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I could totally see that as being, you could say that was predictable. I, I, I totally, totally get that because I mean, if you were to predict that the good guy would win and get the girl, you would be correct in that prediction. And if you predicted that everybody who deserved their comeuppances got their comeuppances, you would be correct. I mean, it's very much, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a wish fulfillment movie, although it certainly teeters on the edge of that. It certainly spawned much worse movies that were more balanced wish fulfillment movies, but, um, but anyhow, I don't think that's enough to like knock it down too much. I mean, for what it is, it's a good watch. Um, I do think it has, I would say it has rewatchable ability, certainly. Rewatchability, oh, yeah. rather. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's certainly energy. I mean, the writing, the, the writing alone probably ensures that you can watch it. I, I couldn't imagine watching this in a theater must have been such a blast. Like, because there are like, you know, there are like 20, 30 lines that like, I feel like would just like spur so much applause and so much laughter. Like just one of those movies, like 
I don't know. It's certainly one of those where it's like best scene with other people. Certainly. It was a bit weird watching this by myself. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's just, it's a very energetic movie and it's very fun. And it's just very, uh, I don't know, for what it is, I think it, it, it certainly does its job very much. I think only when it tries to do things that I'm not going to blame any specific person, but I'll just say the movie isn't like terrific at portraying anything even resembling romance or anything even resembling like <laughs> development or like even like really like human emotion to a degree. I mean, like, like that, that, that's a bad way of phrasing it, but it's just like, just like, just like, like the characters in this movie, I think to a degree are besides Gruber and Rickman. Oh my God. Rickman and Willis's characters are very much kind of cardboard cutouts. And I think when they try to make them more than that in this movie, that's some of the times where it kind of falls flat to a degree. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's, that, that is, that is kind of what it is. Um, um, I, I totally agree with what you said. I can't imagine why watching this in a theater back in 1988 going to a theater not really knowing what to expect when you walk in not knowing who bruce willis even is because i mean let's face it i don't i don't think many people knew who bruce willis was back back then um it just it, it did it did really create a new a new genre i want to say of that the one where you simply follow a person throughout the entire film. And yes, he has a personality, but yes, the antagonist also has a personality of his own. Um, from that aspect, it's good. Obviously, if you were to see it in the theater, it would be crazy on a first watch just because of all of the one-liners that have obviously, as I've mentioned numerous times, gone down in history as some of the most famous of all time. Um, but... Like you said, seeing it alone, it brings a bit of a different light. It's it's more enjoyable to see with other people for sure. I think that's that's definitely a good takeaway. Um, it is one of those films where you don't really get into it as much when you're kind of just sitting there watching. It's still enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. I I'll always care about this movie. This is probably in my top ten action films of all time. Mm-hmm. But you know, on this fifth washer so it just it becomes a little more difficult to appreciate some of the things i did perhaps back on my first or second yeah absolutely Uh, i mean i think this movie is certainly one where while like i said it does have rewatchability is certainly best on its first viewing um uh i'm trying to think i don't have any main points that I want to touch on really do you want to move forward to our favorites of the movie yeah that sounds good I don't I don't think I really have anything else either uh, actually before we do um I was doing research for this I found a pretty um I, I was looking at the reviews for this movie and I found an audience one that I that I kind of got a chuckle out of um I'll just read it just because I, I really thought it was funny um quote very weak performances. None of the characters are fleshed out. The plot is very predictable, full of vomit-inducing melodrama cliches, and the so-called Germans who do not understand German are pathetic. Basically, 
the whole point of the movie is Bruce Willis running around showing off his muscles, which are not even sexy. Watching it is such a waste of time. (laughs) So good God. When is that from? Is that from back then? That was from, uh, no, that was a recent one on Rotten Tomatoes uh, audience score. Oh, jeez. Well, that's, that seems a bit harsh. I'm not, I'm not really sure why they took such a, yeah, such a hard look at it. I, I like just don't that. know. Like, like I don't understand really how you can go that. into like, sorry, I don't know how you can go into watching Die Hard and like expect any more. Like, what are you expecting? Fleshed out characters and like a plot that you never, you, like you can't foresee. Like it's, it's, it's an action movie. Like, I, I don't know. I just got a kick out of it. Yeah. Especially like you said, a recent a recent review i'm not sure what they were expecting i mean everybody knows that die hard die hard has gone down i mean just from the name die hard it's not you're not looking for a citizen kane-esque <laughs> film you know you're you're not you're not looking for like the greatest film of all time or something godfather type film you're looking for an action film you're looking for these one-liners you're looking for these these fun little anecdotes and it does it does have all that we've been we've been naming a few put downs that that we can really mention but i think everybody that's seen it can really agree it is an enjoyable movie to watch i can't i can't really imagine not liking this film one day i think the both of us enjoy stylistically great films like we've about clockwork orange you know you and i have talked about movies like goodfellas or the godfather a number of times but that's not what makes a movie completely enjoyable it's not just the acting or the the fact that bruce willis has his arms out or whatever which (laughs) apparently to that to that woman or jealous man were not very attractive (laughs) anyway i mean i don't i don't know i've never really heard any I guess I don't really ask people about their reviews on Willis's body, but I mean that seems that seems pretty pretty interesting that they took to that to that right off the bat, um, kind of putting down Bruce Willis's physique, which I don't I don't think I've ever heard of, quite honestly. But, yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you. I I just but like reading it and like actually after our review, we did touch on. Every single one of this person's points, it's just like we acknowledge the fact that the performances weren't great outside of, I don't know how you can say Hans. I, I don't know how you can say that Rickman's performance was, it was very weak. And obviously none of the characters are fleshed out. And we even touched on the fact that it's weird that he's kind of a sex icon. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I got a kick out of it. It was literally the not like the most helpful review. I have people, people probably just uploaded it on there just because it was funny, but I don't know. I opened it and I saw it and I thought it was pretty funny. But um, I guess aside from that, um, I starting out, uh, I guess I'll ask you, I think it's, this is kind of a harder question for this movie because I don't think it has as many terrific shots. But if you, I guess if you had to choose a favorite, do, do you think you have a favorite shot in this one? Oh, geez. You know, I'd, I'd have to think about that for a second. Um, I'll tell you what it wouldn't be. It's, it's one of the cheesiest shots i've probably ever seen in history is when gruber is falling to his death and it's (laughs) that slow motion that slow motion of alan rickman falling to his death i'll tell you that that there was kind of a shocker to me i didn't really think 
I was I was kind of dumbfounded. I don't really know why they chose to, to do that, but I guess it does go back to that. Okay, that kind of that kind of cliche that this movie really did bring. This really this this really did make a cliche that was never there before. So I guess they never really even thought about it. I guess. Um, oh, geez. But if I had to think of a favorite shot, it it might just be. I, I love airplane shots when they're taking off and when they're landing. So I liked that shot, but it would probably be my number one would probably be when Willis is on the, the top of the building with that big group of people. And it's a helicopter shot overlooking all of them. I just felt like that was a really nice, clean shot. You got a nice view of the city of LA. Uh, you obviously got the, the shot of Willis shooting all over the place trying to trying to get across to all the hostages which then he's obviously looked at as a terrorist by the fbi but i felt like that was that's probably got to be my number one shot i can't really think of many others yeah um no yeah touching on that um <laughs> the, the first that you described certainly very cheesy um perhaps the, the only saving grace of it is that and it is a common thing throughout this movie, like the foreshadowing, like um, Bruce taking off his shoes for no reason. That ends up becoming prevalent later. And then her watch is mentioned very early in the movie. Um, I think in general that that's done pretty that pretty well throughout this movie. But um, certainly a very cheesy moment. Um, I mean, even Rickman can't look make that look very good. It's just very uh, certainly very cheesy. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like he is obviously falling somehow i mean it's very hard to make anything in motion look good in slow motion certainly falling would be the hardest for an actor to do but um i think my favorite shot um for two reasons it's it's just the first shot of the tower i just think because it kind of introduces you to this i just love um I, the the tower as an object i really do enjoy the movie specifically the the floor that willis spends the most time on like it feels very much safe because there's that like the picture of the hot girls. But I just I love that opening shot of the tower. One of the reasons I like it so much, I, I chuckled because there was a gas station right next to it. It says it said gas, 75 cents a gallon. And it just made me realize how old this movie is. And it just in general, I did like I like establishing shots in general for sure. But um, yeah, no, I know I, I like that shot um, quite a bit. So what would you say is probably your favorite line in the film? It's probably the hardest question. Um, God, it, it is hard. Um, I mentioned it earlier uh, when uh, I wrote it down, um, when kind of Mrs. McLean or Mrs. whatever she goes by questions Hans Gruber. He's like, you're just a common thief. And he goes up to her and you kind of see him you kind of see his hubris there because I'm an exceptional thief, Miss McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. It's like this ultimate, like he's so menacing. And even with like his plan kind of collapsing around him, he's still able to kind of like absolutely dominate all conversations. And I don't know, it's just, it's very impressive. And I think it very much, it, it does highlight kind of the, because he does break here to a degree. He's not as poised as he usually is, but it, it's, I, don't know, I think it captures his character very well, in my opinion. How about you? You know, I totally agree. I love that that line from him. I think that he and Willis's character, John McClane, had some of the greatest one-liners 
that we know today, especially from action films. But I've unfortunately I've got to go with two of the classics from John McClane. I would either say when um when when Rickman's character Gruber calls him a cowboy, of course Willis's character McClane says Yippee Kaye, motherfucker, and then goes right through the door, you know, away from the terrorists that are incoming on his location. Or when Al actually begins to get shot up, his police car get, begins to get shot up, which I don't know why that even happened. I don't know how stupid the terrorists were to have shot up his police car when they're trying to make them leave. Yeah. And then he goes, welcome to the party, pal, to, to Al, who's down there, you know, who had just told the station, no, there's nothing, nothing to worry about here. It's a wild goose chase over here. No, I, I thought that that was a very funny line. I think that's easily one of those that has gone down in history for sure. Absolutely, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, it's the line of the movie, certainly. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It encapsulates his character so much. Like, it's very much like a dickhead thing to say. Like, he's trying to reason with him. It's like, oh, give yourself up. We might not kill you. And he's like, yeah, we'll just kill more of your guys. And yeah, <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. Is also terrific. Um, just so jovial by Bruce Willis who just watched a dude. Honestly, if I was Bruce Willis, I wouldn't know if that dude was alive or not because all his car, all his car really did was back up. He could have been shot to death, but still it's absolutely great line. Uh, But both of those are terrific um, choices. Um, I think you could probably skip past favorite performance. You've both made that pretty evident. Um, What would you say is your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene, I guess the most enjoyable one, I would probably say, is when Gruber's talking to to the whole group of people, the all the hostages. And I feel like the writing wasn't particularly great in this in this part, just because I mean, obviously I've seen the film a number of times, so I knew that they were leading up to this part with with his lines he was Gruber's lines weren't particularly great but it's just when they're when they're down there and um then of course the elevator arrives and the man the dead guy is sitting there with the now I have a machine gun to ho 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 written on his on his body by McLean uh, I thought that was great because you know that the one woman in the group of hostages screams and Everybody around them is kind of like, oh my gosh, what what the heck's going on? They have they have somebody up there as a security guard or something up there that's taking care of one of our guys. And Gruber tells tells them, all right, tell Carl his brother is dead. Um, I thought that was probably one of the most enjoyable lines because that was really the first time where we saw a triumph from McLean. Like we knew we knew that he had beaten his foe, the I believe to be Russian henchman for Hans Gruber but it was it was definitely enjoyable definitely a funny part of the movie when we saw that he sent he sent him down with a Santa hat on with that ho 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 on his shirt yeah uh, that, that was very um I, I love that scene as well um another I love um kind of outside of the scenes we've already discussed one of my personal favorites is when Bruce it's the fight scene between I think it's an unnamed German guy He's getting backed up under the table, he's getting shot at. And the German says, 
piece of advice, my friend. Next time you have opportunity to kill a man, do not hesitate. And then Bruce blows him away. And he's, Bruce says, nice advice. And moves on. Or whatever he says. It's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a great line. It's a great scene. I think it really does um, kind of encapsulate. It's, really, it's very lucky to not be killed at all. But um, I don't know. It's a little bit of the ingenuity of Bruce Willis. Because he is... It does have some ingenuity throughout the movie, but um, yeah, uh, it's it, it, it's it's just a very fun scene in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one of my favorite scenes when he's under the table scooting past the machine gun shots. Um, jeez, is there is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Um, I mean, outside of rating the movie, uh. We could probably do that really quick. I don't. I we. I think we we went over it pretty well. I mean, just quick to touch on. I think the score is somewhat underrated. Um, it opens with the Christmas music, Run DMC. It's very entertaining. Um, and then generally, it's again, it is somewhat cliche action movie track, but it also introduced a lot of that cliche action movie track. The violin, the pounding bass line, and the I don't know. It, it's it's important to recognize. I think the score was, you know, put together by some talented people and I think encapsulated the movie's tone very well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this was like we've said a number of times, one of the first action films of this kind, obviously not one of the first action films, but definitely one of the first of its kind. And I think this, um, this score was definitely a big, a big part of that, a big reason for that. Um, so what what would you rate out of five stars? What would you rate this film? So I'm between, uh, I think I, I'm pretty solid on four for this. I, I think it's a four out of five. I think because it's, I don't know. It's like, I know after watching it, anytime I'm not watching this movie, right? I'm like, oh, it's not like a great movie. It's just a great action movie. Like I can rationalize it in my head over and over. I'm like, oh, there are better action movies. But like when I'm watching it, it's like, I can't take my eyes off the screen. It's just so captivating. It's so funny. The action is terrific, I, especially for the time. It's it's the quintessential action movie in many ways. It 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 honestly kickstarted its own subgenre to a degree of like one man versus a group of terrorists. But also, there's kind of a head person that you you get. It is very much one of the movies. It didn't give villains a personality by any stretch of the imagination. But I think I do think it certainly helped action movies improve their villains to a very strong degree. And for that, it has my praise for sure. Um, I, I certainly can't go any higher than four just because I don't think that would be fair to a bunch of other movies. But just rating it any lower, like a three and a half or anything lower than that, I just think wouldn't be fair to like how epically entertaining this movie is and just how terrific Rickman and Willis's performances are. You know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Personally, I'd have to rate it a three out of five just because I have seen this film a number of times. And maybe that takes some of my excitement out of it. However, I do find myself encapsulated when I watch this film. I do find it hard to look away. Like you said, the lines are fun. A lot of the lines are fun, but a lot of them are I felt I felt were rather needless. I felt that not every acting performance was fantastic. However, there were really only eight to 10 people in the film that actually said anything, maybe. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the 
the characters of Gruber and McLean, obviously the most, but besides them, I don't really feel like any characters were particularly great. Um, a three out of five still isn't a bad score. It's definitely a good score for the subgenre that Die Hard really created, as you mentioned. But um, yeah, I, I, I would just kind of have to leave it as a three just because I felt like it was actually just pretty, pretty predictable in a lot of ways. We didn't really ever see our protagonist face too much of a struggle besides when his, his wife or his soon-to-be ex-wife is being held captive by Gruber. And then you see him, of course, pull the gun out from behind his back, say Holly, and then she moves out of the way, and then he just takes Gruber out. Um, yeah, I just felt like it's, it's predictable, but very fun to watch. I don't think it's, it's just a, a male film. Like we said earlier, the men in our family did favor Die Hard over perhaps Christmas Story the night that we were watching a Christmas movie. But it's really not just a guy's, a guy's movie, save from the name and perhaps the, the subject matter. I think, I think it's a good movie for everybody to watch. And, I mean, definitely a must-see. I would agree with you with that. It's kind of like that for me. It's like I would recommend it to any, everybody, but it's nowhere near a masterpiece. That's about where it is for me. Yeah. And that marks the end of our review on John McTierman's Die Hard. I hope you enjoyed listening. Please rate and review us wherever you happen to be listening. And tune in next Friday when we review Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, the heavy favorite to win the Oscar for Best Picture. I've been John Salem. My co-host has been Michael Kenny. Have a good night.